Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. On February 9th of 2004, 21-year-old UMass student Maura Murray drove from her dorm in Amherst, Massachusetts to the White Mountains of New Hampshire. At approximately 7.27 p.m., Maura spun out her 1996 Saturn on a hairpin turn on Route 112 in North Haverhill. There has never been a credible sighting of Maura since. Maura is 5 foot 7 inches tall. She weighs 120 pounds, and she has brown hair and hazel eyes. If you have any information regarding Mora's disappearance, please submit it to us, the Murray family through their Facebook page, or the New Hampshire State Police Cold Case Unit. Welcome back to the Missing Mora Murray podcast. I'm Tim, here today with Lance in the Crawl Space Studios. How are you, Lance? I'm doing great. I'm excited about this episode. How are you today? I'm doing well. Good. And today we have an interesting episode, not your typical Missing Mora Murray episode at all. You know why? Because it's a bit of a lighter mood. At some point, like, we've never really done that, right? We've never really come on and, and just given a lighter episode, and we had the opportunity this time, and uh, I like the fact that we took the opportunity. Right, and so we speak with Patrick and Jillian from True Crime Obsessed, and really we recorded the episode uh, in mid-September, and it was for our other podcast, Crawl Space, but a uh, lot of moving parts going into this recent time with us, and we decided to release it here on Missing Maura Murray. And Patrick does have a bit of an obsession with Maggie Freeling, which he uh, depicts a bit in this episode, so it does have a little connection there. Yes, we talk a bit about the disappearance of Maura Murray's show from Oxygen, and we also just figured that a lot of our listeners were probably listeners of theirs too, and we figured let's put it out to uh, as large an audience base we can. However, if you like it, that means you have to subscribe to Crawl Space. It's not so much like bribery, 
It's totally bribery. But it's more like bribery. On Crawl Space, we do a lot of interviews with other podcasters and uh, people in the true crime industry, as well as deep dives on some of the investigation work. So it's definitely a must-listen if you enjoy Missing Maura Murray. Just a quick thank you to those people who have been waiting for Finding More Murray, episodes one through four of our documentary, to be released on Amazon. We've received a lot of positive feedback uh, supporting us because it's been a little bit of a frustrating time as we're waiting for Amazon to complete their checklist of approvals. Jeff Bezos. <laughs> yes. So uh, please understand that uh, it is probably more frustrating for us than it is for you right now. Um, but hopefully they will be live you know, when you hear this. Um, but please uh, check out our Twitter page at Maura Murray Doc. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. And we will post something letting you know that these episodes are available on Amazon once they become available. So currently the cost for the episodes are three ninety nine for the HD version and two ninety nine for the SD version, and that's per episode. And we want to make sure that, you know, a portion of that, the you know, no less than 10% goes to the GoFundMe for uh, for Mora. Right. And we had gotten a lot of questions about, is it free on Prime? And the answer is no, not right now. But at some point in the future, we have talked about perhaps making it free on Prime for a weekend. Right. So for now, two ninety nine for SD, three ninety nine for HD, as long as Jeff Bezos responds to our email in a positive manner. So please keep in mind that this episode is not really about Maura Murray. This is a crawl space episode with true crime obsessed. Also, at some point during this episode, Patrick's audio takes a dip in quality, and we had to revert to the backup. So uh, you will notice that as well. Okay, so subscribe to True Crime Obsessed and check out Finding Maura Murray once it becomes available on Amazon VOD. Drop a little tease here. In this episode, you'll hear something very disturbing about what Patrick will do with Maggie Freeling's hair, if given the opportunity. Welcome to Crawl Space. We are being joined by true crime obsessed Patrick and Jillian. What's going on today? Hey, guys. Hi, fellas. What is happening? Not too much. Thank you so much for coming on. I know we had a series of uh, events that kept this from happening that prevented oh us God. from being with each other for uh, the better part of two <laughs> weeks. But uh, we're, we're finally all I'm together. I'm a frantic mess. You're, you're afraid... You- <laughs> Patrick, you're a frantic mess. I'm just a frantic mess. I'm always at 100. I moved. I lost my voice. Like, this is all my fault. I will take all the blame for this. And I'm always right because I had a lot of contingency plans that somebody didn't listen to. <laughs> it's true. It's so true. We, we all we all learned a lot from this, but now we're here and we're thrilled. Awesome. You guys, can I say before we say anything else that when we were all at CrimeCon, I did nothing but stare at you guys like a crazy creepoid freak, like <laughs> stalker fan from my table That's to your true. table. I was <laughs> like, there's the Maura Murray boys. It's the Maura Murray boys. Oh, my God. I was totally freaking out. <laughs> Which is weird because your table was uh, around the corner and down the hall a little bit. So did you, <laughs> <laughs> you set up no, a series like, of mirrors? I rigged up... Um, a spyglass situation. Look, I'm not going to... Rabia Chaudhry helped me devise it. I'm not going to get into it. It's too complicated. But I was able to watch you guys the whole time. And the patent is still pending, so we really can't say too much. Okay. Yeah, okay. It's true. It's true. Well, That's good. strangely enough, I'm more flattered than I am uh, afraid. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, me too. <laughs> We're bizarre and annoying, but harmless. It was really fun talking to you at CrimeCon. 
Yeah, same. What a fun experience. I was not expecting it to be so fun. It was like so great to get together with all the true crime podcasting weirdos. <laughs> Did you guys realize that we were never outside when we were in that resort? Patrick and I <laughs> cannot stop talking about it. They had a fake breeze. They, it it's was true. crazy. They really had a fake breeze. But we weren't outside, you guys. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah, we were never we outside. That. It's like a yeah, big dome. Like if you went to that atrium place... To like get lunch or whatever, it it looked like you were outside and it was like temperature controlled and there was a fake breeze and like even a river, but you were still inside. And like fake humidity. I'm like, I thought this was yeah. supposed to be an oasis. <laughs> Don't throw fake humidity for the sake of it, you guys. Come on. Come they on, really Nashville. went for uh, realism there. They really committed to that. Can you tell us a little bit about your backgrounds? What uh, what, what kind of worlds do you guys uh, come from? <laughs> um, Broadway. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I, you know, I started podcasting maybe six years ago. I, uh, just as a hobby, I started a theater, like a Broadway theater podcast called Theater People, where I would basically just interview the tagline for the podcast was um, interviewing Broadway, uh, what was it? Tony winners, Broadway legends, and today's brightest theater stars. Um, and that was sort of like how I found my way into podcasting, was just doing that weekly podcast. Uh, and then I, I started making a documentary style podcast called Broadway Backstory, which sort of finds out how shows develop from an idea that somebody had to a full Broadway production. Like how, how did that happen? Um, and that's kind of what brought Jillian and I together was, you know, Jillian, you can tell your story, but we sort of met in that world. Yeah, I have a, a podcast called um, The Hamilcast, and it is about Hamilton and American Musical. And I started podcasting without ever caring about podcasts or listening to podcasts or having any equipment, which was super fun for the first two weeks of recording. <laughs> um, I just dove right in and taught myself how to do it. And then Patrick and I found each other. Well, Patrick found me on Twitter and was just like, hey, I'm another theater podcast. I was like, girl, I know who you are. Um, and we just sort of became we became friends in that world. And then we just bonded really quickly. And we realized that we both really love true crime. And it just I called him one day and I was like, what if we started a true crime podcast and the first idea was and i'm not kidding we were gonna solve the zodiac that was our first <laughs> idea and it wasn't funny you guys like we were really gonna do it no like i went to the library like straight up robert graysmith i went to the library i had like the movie soundtrack in my headphones i was like we're gonna do it we're gonna get to the bottom of this and dave toski is gonna be my best friend and it's gonna be rad and mark ruffalo will help probably and it was a, a big big idea and then we just started you know then as it evolves like patrick has this great uh thing that you always say that like you have to sort of let a podcast become what it's meant to be. So after we moved on from that idea of solving the Zodiac, which um, maybe I won't podcast about it, just but I promise burner. you I'll get it done. Yeah, we're um, going to do then, it, just not this week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But then then, then like we had this idea where Patrick was like, well, what if we did a, a true crime podcast where it was like different cases and we had we would have three segments and like all this like really serious oh stuff and then it just got to the point where we're just laughing at all these pieces of shit and making fun of people who deserve it and becoming victim advocates and now we're talking to you lovely people and it's incredible all right <laughs> that was a great nutshell yeah, yeah. thanks <laughs> so who uh who is the zodiac killer what's the what's the prevailing theory here really <laughs> yeah, throw throw it a name I mean, I Arthur Lee Allen, but he didn't work alone. Ooh, oh, okay. I like the yeah, angle. Yeah, I like the uh, didn't work alone thing. I've right? always thought the same thing. Yeah. 
Now, thank uh, you. We we did notice Thanks. that uh, Zodiac was was listed as your favorite movie uh, on on this uh, interview it's we my, found. Yeah, um, which we're huge fans of the movie as well. Uh, so that was pretty cool to see. Um, Patrick's favorite movie was Heather's. Oh God, yeah, I remember when they I was asked that question, and I you know I haven't like. Now that I'm a dad and, and like I have a four year and a half year old, I haven't seen a movie in so long. So Heather's was and just the was last the movie, movie that... you saw. <laughs> no, 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 no. It just like movies aren't so much a part of my life anymore. But like Heather's is a movie that I absolutely love. I remember when I was a kid, I grew up on Stand by Me was like my favorite movie. There also, I love that weird Gus Van Sant movie, My Own Private Idaho. That was like a, one of my favorite movies forever. It's a great movie. Anything with River Phoenix, like I. Yeah, like I, I kind of love all like that sort of like that weird indie stuff. Yeah, well, those are great movies. We love Heather's as well and Zodiac. Um, and we we were thinking about Heather's when when we when we almost had this interview last week. We were talking about Heather's and how uh, it's kind of uh-huh. kind of still like a topical um, movie, like at least the subject it's, matter, right? It's like, still super true crimey. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, he blows up a, sure. a, he blows himself up in front of a school at the end. Spoiler alert! If you haven't seen it. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, also, they turned it into a musical. Um, a composer named Larry O'Keefe, like, wrote a broad, like, a, it actually was off Broadway and it's brilliant. It's, it's really, really good. But yeah, like, it, it couldn't, it couldn't be more topical. How is the Broadway version? You know, so I've so Larry O'Keefe is really, really a really smart guy. He's like he's from Harvard, and he wrote um, a Broadway musical called Bat Boy, or it was another uh, off Broadway. Oh, based on the Weekly World News Bat article. Boy. Oh my god! Yeah, exactly, that's exactly, yes. exactly. And he collaborated on uh, Legally Blonde, the musical, and Heather's. I I haven't actually seen it. I saw a concert version of it, and um, it was just it was amazing. And like it's it it really does that successful thing where it like tells the story of the movie while at the same time sort of like making fun of it, and it's kind of just genius. Uh, do you think they'll ever make Zodiac Zodiac the musical? Hey man, look, I. <laughs> well, you know, it's it could be super dark and uh, and gritty, and I just need David Fincher to be involved always. And you know, Mark Ruffalo and I are in are actually in talks about it. I have a call with him at around three, uh, <laughs> just so so you guys know what my schedule is. Okay, um, we'll was be that done by uh, three. also uh, so I met so I married an axe murderer reference the Weekly World News. <laughs> yeah, yeah, God. sweet. You used to read the Weekly World News religiously. Right, like it was the real paper. Uh, Yeah, actually, yeah, definitely. I was in the National Enquirer once. Really? Oh, God. I can't. This is... Check check this off the list of things on my bucket list. Are you the bad boy? Is this it? No, no. I... My mom... um, I'm trying to remember how this went. My mom mom was good friends with Tony Curtis's ex-wife. Yeah, my mom was a bat. (laughs) And when Tony Curtis's son, unfortunately, tragically died... Uh, we all went to the funeral. Yeah. Um, we all went to the funeral and like the National Enquirer was there and like I took a picture just randomly. They took a picture of Tony Curtis, but it happened to be when I was shaking his hand and it was like on the inside cover of the National Enquirer. It was crazy. Wow. I don't understand why that's not framed in your apartment. I don't understand. I know. Is this breaking news? I know. (laughs) (laughs) Did, did you not know that about me? (laughs) No, No, I knew that. Lance didn't. Have I ever told you my National Enquirer story? I always am tempted whenever I'm at like the checkout line buying groceries or whatever. Like, I'm sure it's super fun to read through because it's ridiculous. But I don't want to like, yeah, I don't want to like support it and be part of the problem and give them money. And like, I don't know. I'm an idiot. And now we know that there are like 
all in bed with Trump and all that nightmare nonsense. Oh, just, right. right. It's like, yeah, yeah, you're talking about the National Enquirer. Yeah, well, once upon a time, the Weekly World News was its own separate publication that was uh, bought by the National Enquirer, I want to say like 10 or 15 years ago. This was its own black and white magazine that they sold on those same uh, yeah, yeah. newspaper shelves or uh, supermarkets. Yeah, tabloids were big business in the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you know what just what just hit me. I just remembered. So my my husband um, directed a play called Greater Tuna, and it's about these people in this fictitious town called uh, Tuna, Texas, and it's all making fun of that like just super conservative whatever. And it's two guys, and they play like a zillion roles. Half of them are women, whatever. But part of the set was like one of the characters like this like super conservative like backwoods woman like read the weekly world news and so during one of their rehearsals i was thumbing through it this like just i just remembered this and there are all these like personal ads which i'm sure are fake but they're amazing (laughs) about like what people are looking for and what you have to be interested in and how old specifically they need you to be it's really really bizarre I like the reference to um, So I Married an Axe Murderer because one of my favorite comedic lines in movie history uh, was Mike Myers asking, telling his mother, uh, I think it's interesting that you refer to the Weekly World News as the paper. <laughs> as the paper. Yes, it's the best. It's, this, it's so good. Such a subtle, subtle comic uh, gem. That just made me think that Na- Nancy Travis was the wife in So I Married an Axe Murderer, right? Yes. She was in just this great, great crime movie in with Kiefer Sutherland, like in the early '90s. It was called The Vanishing, but that was like my first foray into like crime entertainment. I watched that movie over and over and over again when I was a kid. That was your first experience with entertainment crime movies, Tim. What was your first experience? I do remember uh, the Silence of the Lambs being being a pivotal moment oh, in my yeah. childhood. I guess I would have been. 10 that came out in 1991 so I would have been 10 and I do remember going to Blockbuster Video the physical version of a video store back then yes several times with my mom trying to rent that movie and it was always sold out and they had like two two whole things uh on the wall um full of these movies right and they were like oh just come back on like a Tuesday night there'll be plenty of copies right and and that was what we did and there were a million copies and we watched it and we loved it nice what about you Jillian mine I hope it counts. I think it does. I was like super big into Dick Tracy when I was younger. Nice. Okay. That so counts. it was like, <laughs> so it was a like, gay man, I love it so much. I know. Well, we'll get, we'll get, well, hold on. I'm not done. So my, my blockbuster Friday night pizza night thing was Gypsy, the Bette Midler TV movie and Dick Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> and it was every Friday and my mom was so here for it. And after like a month or two, my dad was like, just wondering if we could maybe like switch up the uh, the movies or like also like nope. why are you surrounded by like strippers and breathless Mahoney? Like, is there something going on that I don't know? So, yeah, Dick Tracy, I think, was my first like re- repeat offender, as as they say on Columbo. Jillian, we've never talked about your coming out experience. What was it like to come to, to come out to your parents as a 50 year old gay drag queen? <laughs> Well, you know, m- much like yourself, I think it was very obvious from a very young yeah. age. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't really that much of a conversation. I think it was probably the, I, I don't know, 14th or 15th time I brought home Gypsy and Dick Tracy as a double feature for a Friday <laughs> night that they were like, mm, yeah, you know, and it's all Mom, good. Mom, th- Dad, I- I'm a gay drag queen. Yeah, it, it might have been when they taught when they took me to Madonna's Blonde Ambition tour in 1990. You know, it could have been any yeah, number you of things, even 10. but. 
No, but the thing is, uh, I, 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 they have always been very supportive and loving, <laughs> and they've really indulged me in all my super weird quirks, which I appreciate. Lance, do you have an answer to the question? While I think that all of these are really great movies, Silence of the Lambs is probably the best movie ever made. Um, and uh, Dick Tracy is great, and The Vanishing is underrated. Um, I'm, I'm sort of with Patrick on this, where it's a, it's a, it's a little-known gem or sort of a possible, possibly forgotten-about gem. Uh, the Hitcher. Remember The Hitcher with C. Yeah. Thomas Howell? Yeah, yeah. That was my uh, repeat offender wow. one. Yeah. I don't know that one. Oh, really? Check out The Hitcher. And... Um, Check out this part. This is I watched it so many times that I remembered this one part. It's like a, uh, it's like a sort of a a, a movie goof. Uh, C. Thomas Howell uh, runs out of a diner because uh, he finds a, a finger in his French fries, mm. and he runs out of a di- out of the diner, and the police or somebody. Uh, takes him and, and throws him against the car like they're going to frisk him and they throw him against the car and they did it with such gusto that his back foot comes up and kicks one of the guys in the head from behind. It's it's absolutely hilarious. So if you, when you watch The Hitcher, check that scene out. Let's stay on this topic for a few moments because I heard on one of your uh, most recent podcast episodes that you guys are covering the jinx pretty soon yeah so we have this like sort of crazy patreon situation yeah. so like uh, the way that our podcast works is we do our sort of our tagline is that we're we recap your favorite true crime documentaries with humor and sass and so every week we recap a true crime documentary it's usually a standalone we've done a couple for our regular our regular podcast feed we've done a couple series like we did the keepers and we did wild wild country but we when we decided that we wanted to do a patreon that was sort of like what we decided we would do was do these like these longer series that had like shorter episodes so right now we're almost at the end of the staircase we did serial before the staircase and then we're doing the jinx next we're very excited great and then making a murderer and then making a murderer, yeah. Yeah, and wh- what's going on? Your Patreon page is crazy. You got like 2,500 patrons? What, give us some of those. Yeah, send a couple over we our We have way. almost 4,000 patrons. What? Oh, of, my like, God. Five minutes ago, we're at like 39. I know, it's crazy. I, I, I don't know. It, it's hard to say. Like, you know, we... We are very engaged with our Patreon family. Like we, you know, we have a Facebook group that we're really, really active in. We release probably two or three things on our Patreon feed a week. Like we're we're really, really active in it. But I can't really say why it's so successful, other than that, like we have you know great listeners who really I think are in it to support us, but also really enjoy the bonus content we're making. Patrick, so we're, yeah, Patrick, we're just sort of like Patrick, the wave. you're good yes, enough. Yes? And you're smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like you. <laughs> Both and of you. The, the thing is, like that that Facebook group is not just for for the Patreon fam. So like everyone is sort of seeing like people in the group that has like six or seven thousand members, which is insane and awesome. Like people are talking about, they're saying quotes or jokes or whatever from episodes that aren't on the you know so called public feed. So it just is sort of like this really cool conversation place where people are talking about it and some people like don't even really know about the patreon until they hear about it in the group and we're super active in the group and patrick like works his ass off like putting out so much stuff a week and it's just like we are you know and i think like the regular 
content doesn't suffer. So it's the same level of quality and and effort and time and work for everything. Like nothing nothing is slacking. We're just working super super hard. That's great. Yeah, like 50 hours a week making podcast episodes. Right. Yeah. Well, you guys are very likable. It, it makes sense that uh, people are following what you do. So it, And you do great work. So well done. Well, thank oh, you. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Did you say beautiful, too? I, 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 maybe you cut out for a second, but you, I didn't no, did I you heard say it. thin. He said thin. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I thin said gorgeous. gorgeous. It's all in the tone. It's all in the tone. Yeah. Oh, you guys. You guys are so kind. And right. what hair? What hair? That hair? We were like we were at CrimeCon. We were staring at your booth yeah. from from our booth at CrimeCon with with the mirror system oh, that you set yeah. up, and it was yeah. like wow. Uh huh. I know. It's just like you know, guys. While we're on the subject, I'm sorry, but like it's just time to talk about Maggie. Like, I, can we please just get to Maggie? What does Maggie's hair smell like? <laughs> so of course you're talking about Maggie Freeling from uh, the Oxygen oh. show, uh, The Disappearance of Maura Murray. Maggie Freeling uh, was with us at CrimeCon, and uh, she's a good pal of ours. And her hair just, it smells delicious. It smells like crime. Delicious crime. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I do not want to diminish, like, how brilliant she is and, like, what a great journalist she is and how, how like, great she was to watch on The Maura Murray Show. She is so goddamn beautiful, you guys. Like, she's covered in tats. Her hair is just to die. Like, I want to murder her and scalp her and just, like, wear <laughs> her hair as my hair for as long as I can before I go to jail. <laughs> Why is she so beautiful? Well, you could you could even you could even wear that in jail if you wanted to. Do you think they let yeah. me? Like, do you? Th- yeah, you think no. that would work? F- great. Well, they probably I'll, want I'll, it as evidence. I'll find yeah. a way to mail it to you somehow. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. We're just like mail it a strand at a time. You know, <laughs> sure. Maggie's mom was at CrimeCon too, and she was lovely. She had great hair she was? And, and tattoos. Oh my God! Yeah, Maggie is not here for the psychics. You guys, please do not suggest another psychic to Maggie. She is not here for it. Yeah, she does not want to hear about. Not psychics. a fan of psychics. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> we so many people. We love talking about how, like, on the uh, in the episodes, like Maggie just driving around with Art in a car, and we're like, what were what were those conversations like between takes? Like, these are not these are two people who I would love to like put a camera in their car and just see what they talk about. We do know that they became buddies. They they became buddies. They still hang out. They still uh, call each other all the time. They still email. They still work on Morris' case. And whenever there's a chance to get together, they get together. Um, yeah, they definitely formed a bond shooting the show and being a part of uh, Morris' disappearance. You guys, I'm sorry, but like, does, does Maggie ever put her hair in a top knot? <laughs> Uh, if you want to send out a request for her to do that and then maybe pop it on Instagram for you, go ahead. If it, Any message you want yeah, to send out to her right yeah. now, yeah, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> these these airwaves are your Can airwaves. Can I ask you I'm, one I'm... more? Yeah, please. I have one more, more question for you guys. Please. Will you? And when we have you on our podcast, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to drive you guys crazy asking you questions about this. That would be impossible. But can you, will you tell us about your hike into the mountains? Because it was the most amazing part of the whole docuseries. Well, it was a balmy morning, and uh, actually, it, <laughs> <laughs> to begin at the at the very top, it was a really early morning after a, a pretty long night uh, at the Loon Mountain Resort Bar. Um, but we did uh, we did get a crazy <laughs> email from uh, you know the same reason we were going on this hike. We got an That's email great. with those coordinates the very morning, like ten minutes before the call time. I think the call time was six a.m. and the email came through at five fifty a.m. Yeah, I yep yep. Um, it was an anonymous email, right? Yeah, yeah, 
uh, Tim had gone down to the parking lot to meet with the crew, and I was uh, just kind of locking up my room. And it was, I remember, it was 5.58, and Tim sent me a text message saying something like, holy shit, the, they emailed again, or he emailed again. And it was, there was another email in our inbox that was, uh, you know, it was another clever clever rhyme that was indicating the hike and uh so we actually shot a little bit for the show but they never used it right yeah that's true um and then nobody knew that you guys were going out for the hike that wasn't like a publicly announced thing right so this guy somehow knew that you guys were doing that yeah that's correct there were very very few people actually knew even people that we were we talked to at that time on like a daily or semi-daily basis we didn't tell them that we were going the only people in our lives that knew were our girlfriends um and you know the the crew of the tv show the you know executives and and people like that um but yeah i don't know how else it would have gotten out unless it was a hack job i mean i really it's pretty much a mystery to us as well wow but i will say that so insane yeah this hike was something that some people have watched on the show and have said, oh, you guys probably didn't hike the whole thing. You could have, you know, you just ducked into the woods. You know, you could have shot that anywhere. LOL. LOL. Yeah. I I will. I have said before, and I will say again, that was, that was a 14-hour hike. We summited. Uh, that is not where the coordinates were, but in order to get to them as expeditiously as possible, instead of going the roundabout way, you'd have to you had to summit and then go down the other side. So uh, that was supposed to be the faster way. It was, but it was more aggressive. And uh, we went to the hike. I mean, we went to the coordinates that were off the trail about, I mean, it felt like hundreds of yards. It was probably like 50 yards, but it was through brush that was eating you. Like you couldn't, you couldn't yeah, yeah, walk yeah. through it. I wore a mosquito net over my head. Oh. <laughs> Which, Did you expect to find anything? No. No, sort of like maybe expected to find, if anything, and this was, you know, such a low percentage, a trap. Uh, someone went up there and threw a bear trap in the woods and said, like, haha, you know, you just lost your foot. Yeah. Good luck getting down. But, yeah, we oh went in there. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it, w- it was quite a hike, and... And and not not even so much for people who are seasoned hikers. Uh, this was Tim's first hike ever, ever. I wore jeans, guys, <laughs> and took a bottle of water. Uh. <laughs> I I didn't even comprehend like what else I could have worn or brought. Like if people had backpacks, like I just had like a bottle of water in my pocket, and I was oh, oh I should have I should have brought more water. <laughs> uh, I should have tell you to bring more water. I should have worn shorts. Oh, it was it was there was some communication Maggie. about being prepared. Now nah, I'm blaming Lance on this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you guys, we're totally doing the Maura Murray series uh, after I think after making a murderer for our Patreon. So we're gonna like want to talk to you every day. Oh, amazing! Yeah. Can't wait. Yeah, yeah, we'd love to participate. And then maybe oh, you could good. do amazing. one on uh, you can do one on the documentary uh, segments that we release on Amazon in a couple of weeks. Wait. So wait, is your documentary coming out? Yeah, yeah, we're getting ready to release uh, several segments of it, and we have an editor working on several more segments right now, yeah. Oh. When the documentary comes out, are you guys going to be done with the podcast, or are you just gonna, are you going to keep going? Like, what's the plan? We have at least another year on the Missing Nora Murray podcast, but, uh, but there's no plans right now to stop it. Wow. Patrick, save some questions for when they're on our podcast. I know, I know. I'm sorry. I just, like, I've been dying to talk to you guys. I have so many questions. We can get more into Maggie's hair, too. 
Oh, can we please get into Maggie's? I just am so, <laughs> what kind of products does she use? What's her preferred length? Does she ever consider bangs? Like, I have a lot of questions about this. Well, we can. We'll 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 uh, reach out to her offline, and we'll have her email you maybe her morning regimen. Just you know, as far you know, oh, as like a perfect. Yeah, I think, I think she just kind of wakes up and she looks like that, and her hair is just kind of done. Yeah, she just shakes her head and she's perfect like, "Time to go." I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah, no makeup. You know, she's got some like fabulous morning routine where she puts her hair up in a ponytail and like does her moisturizing. She's fabulous. I can't. <laughs> I started watching that Crystal the the new Oxygen one about like that Crystal something person. Yes, Crystal Rogers. Thing. Mm-hmm. Crystal Rogers and they have they have like a Maggie stand-in as like the lady journalist who's gonna. I was like, oh, this is the oxygen thing where they get some brilliant hot girl to like go to the town and investigate the crime. Okay, I, I see you, oxygen. <laughs> How how's that woman's hair? She, it's fine, but it's no, it's not Maggie's hair. I mean, let's be <laughs> Do you want to know what it's like to hang out with MS13 in El Salvador? How the Russian mafia fought battles all over Brooklyn in the 1990s. Or what about that time I got lost in the Burmese jungle hunting the world's biggest meth lab? Or why the Japanese Yakuza have all those crazy dragon tattoos? I'm Sean Williams. And I'm Danny Gold. And we're the host of the Underworld Podcast. We're journalists that have traveled all over reporting on dangerous people and places. And every week, we'll be bringing you a new story about organized crime from all over the world. We know this stuff because we've been there. We've seen it. And we've got the near misses and embarrassing tales to go with it. We'll mix in reporting with our own experiences in the field, and we'll throw in some bad jokes while we're at it. The Underworld Podcast explores the criminal underworlds that affect all of our lives, whether we know it or not. Available wherever you get your podcasts. So let's get into some uh, some recent true crime news, if you guys uh, want to uh, roundtable a little bit. Did you hear about this Nancy yeah. Crampton Brophy who uh, recently was oh. charged for murdering her husband? And this is an, an older woman. And she had previously written a an essay titled How to Murder Your Husband. You guys heard about this? Yeah. Yeah, she's like, she's like the reverse OJ because OJ killed Nicole and then wrote the book If I Did It. So she wrote the essay and then actually killed her husband. A reverse so she's OJ, just reversing it. it. Is that what she's doing? Yeah, basically. It's yeah. also important to point out that she she's like a, the author of books. And I was like, oh, wow, she's like written a bunch of books. She's totally self-published. And her... Which is fine, but if you're a murderer, then it's not. But like, self-published, everyone. Punctuation is atrocious. They In one of the stories Ugh. I read, they had like put up one of her, like a Facebook post that she wrote about the death of her husband. Yeah. And her punctuation, I was like, sweetheart, a comma goes a long way. Like, enough of the semi like, I could not deal with her punctuation. <laughs> That's the real crime. The name Nancy Crampton Brophy, girl, that is that is the name of a person who's going to end up murdering her husband. There's no getting her <laughs> it sounds. It sounds like you're say, like her name is Brody and you're just saying Brophy. Like it sounds like you're like you're saying it wrong. <laughs> also, her mugshot is kind of hilarious. Like her mugshot is very much like who me? Yeah. Like, that's the look on her face. She seems kind of shocked that she got caught for it. Um, maybe she was after totally. writing that essay, trying to teach people how to do it and get away with it. Um, Nancy Crampton Brophy, 68, was arrested on September 5th. Her husband was shot in the Oregon Culinary Institute on the morning of June 2nd. This is right before students began filing into the building for class, and her husband was a an instructor. Does anybody here, do you guys watch uh, Columbo? 
I have watched it. No, I don't. Yes. <laughs> okay. I love Columbo. I do a Columbo impression. It's horrible, but I'm obsessed with it. Yes. We're going to have to come back Let's to talk your about Colum- Columbo forever. We're going to have to come back to your Columbo impression. Yeah, sure. But doesn't this sure. strike you as an episode of Columbo? Like the opening scene is always the murder and then you know who the murderer is and he's trying to figure it out. Doesn't this strike you, you know, like this, exactly. uh, this guy who is uh, in his culinary institute and he's prepping for his class and he's like pulling out the ingredients and then the door opens and the, you just see the foot, like the, the footsteps. He, and then you see like the gun ru- like rise up and the shadow on the wall and he turns around and he has this moment of shock and then the, the gunfire goes off and then yeah. you see her like, da- like stash the gun. For sure. And because it was like this, the Saturday night movie or whatever on primetime, there was never any blood in any of the gunshots. Like the person is shot once and then they're just laying on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying to know what he did. Like, what is the offense here? Yeah. Okay. So, what what's the motive? Well, her other maybe maybe there's some hints here. If I make Columbo it for for yes. a mere moment, but one of her her self published novels is called The Wrong Husband. Girl, subtlety goes a long <laughs> way. Just like those commas. My God. Hey, sometimes wrong. The wrong is so husband. Right. It's true, right? but also like you can't imagine if you go to somebody's job and you kill them minutes before their students are like she could not have imagined she was going to get away with this. You know what I mean? Which is why that like Kumi look on her face in the mugshot is even more enraging. It's like, girl, you knew this, you knew you were going to get caught. Her uh, poorly written Facebook post is acting like she just heard the news herself. Yeah, like exactly. She didn't do it. Here it is. It says, for my Facebook friends and family, I have sad news to relate. My husband and best friend, Chef Dan Brophy, was killed yesterday morning. For those of you who are close to me <laughs> and me. feel this is deserved a phone call, you are right, but I'm struggling to make sense of this right now. So, yeah, you're right. She made it out like, I, I can't believe this happened. This randomly, my, my husband was randomly uh, killed at, at his place of work. Same thing as that super hot guy in Colorado who we found out is sleeping with dudes but killed his wife and kids. It, there's a whole lot of, like, denying, you know, like, just like, no, I don't know where they are. I have no, I don't, I, I can't <laughs> even begin to imagine. There's a lot of that going the on thing- in the news these days. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, like, this post, it's so funny to me because she's also, if you really look at it, she's not saying she didn't do it. She's just saying she needs to process what happened. <laughs> That's true. That's like, very if true. You, she's trying if you to make really, sense of it all. If you really read it, not a firm she's denial. not saying anything that is saying, like, I didn't do this. But, she like, the facts are her husband is dead and she is having trouble with it. <laughs> And thanks, thanks for your concern. But like she, there's nothing in there that's like this is so tragic, and I had nothing to do with it. I mean, this is almost a confession if you read it that way. You could actually make this into a confession. A hundred percent. That is that is exactly what this is. And oh it's God, still so up on Facebook. Like, t- like, <laughs> like, why is it still up? It was three months ago. <laughs> Meanwhile, that essay about how to kill your husband, that has been set to private, but this, like, I don't know how my husband died post is still public. Yep. Yeah, well, she's 68. She doesn't know much about Facebook. Let's get real. <laughs> she she published this 700-word essay uh, on the website called See Jane Publish, and that was in November of 2011. So this is something that, because you just mentioned her age, so we're talking six years ago or seven years ago that this was uh, published. So she was in her mid-50s then. I mean, if 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 this was something that she had been planning even before she wrote this essay, how does she keep that from her husband? How does how do how do these feelings 
not well, come to light for also, him. More to the point, if your partner writes something, if your spouse exactly. writes like how to kill your husband and you stay with them, you kind of have it coming. Yeah, exactly. Well, like my, my husband would be every night would be like, so it's not about me, right? Like this is not <laughs> about me. Like. It would be a constant conversation every single day. And then I would end up actually doing it. Because, like, girl, when I say no, I mean no. Like, stop. But the yeah. best part, have you have you guys read have you guys read the comments on that post? No. It's amazing no. because because they're all like from thirteen and fourteen weeks ago, like my heart goes out to you. This is so tragic, blah, blah, blah. And then five days ago, someone goes, How could you? And then also <laughs> And then also five days ago, someone says, now that's a plot twist. And then the last comment is, the last comment is, murderer, she wrote. <laughs> Ooh, that's clever. I mean, come on. It's amazing. Friend, she's got like four other 68-year-old friends who know how to use Facebook. They're all having some fun. Right? And somewhere out there, Angela Lansbury is just shaking her head. Exactly. Yeah, this, is th- this was not the point, you guys, says Angela. <laughs> Here's a little blurb of uh, some of her writings. She said, I find it easier to wish people dead than to actually kill them. But the thing I know about murder <laughs> is that every one of us have it in him or her when pushed far enough. Okay. Well, that's just not true. Right. Well, I guess it's kind of yeah, true. If, it's... like, when pushed far enough is such a general thing to say. It's such a blanket statement. I suppose if someone were to come in here and you know, put a gun to Tim's head. Uh, maybe Tim's not yeah, the best yeah, example. Sure. But, you just let him yeah. blow me away. <laughs> that's not murder, though. That's, that's, you know what I mean? Like, that's self-defense. Yeah, that's self-defense. Yeah. Murder, like, she's saying that, like, in our deepest, darkest moments, like, any one of us could kill somebody unprovoked. And that's like, yeah, like That is a very poor <laughs> like choice you, of you words on her You pop that gum end. one more time. Yeah. Yeah, that's a poor choice of words. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, we're not... Also, if you're going to kill your husband, don't leave a paper trail, ma'am. Like, literally, don't write an essay. <laughs> yeah, pretty exactly. dumb. Exactly. Like, wh- where were all of her friends who were like, girl, are you okay? Like, do you need to talk about what's <laughs> happening? Like, it was so public. I don't understand. Right. No one thought to think, like, hey, or even his friends, none of his friends were like, hey, Tom, like, maybe, you know, do you want to stay with yeah, me for crazy. a little? <laughs> are, are you sure it's fine? Another line that uh, Miss Brophy wrote, which was uh, – very interesting to me and revealing when you consider it was written in 2011. What if killing didn't pres- what if killing didn't produce the right results? Would they do it again? Could they do it again? What if they liked it? So this is clearly a woman who Wait, was considering this for a long time. Yeah, her writing and not just right and not just her husband. Clearly, like right, like. If if he you know if he had it coming not to quote Chicago for the second time like she, what, what she's saying what she's saying is like what does she want like what the feeling of killing someone is and like if like if you don't succeed try try again I don't understand what well there's many contradictions in this is. statement here she says what if killing didn't produce the right results does that mean that she didn't do it if one didn't murder correctly and the person survived or did you get caught maybe you killed and you got caught oh. But then she contradicts it by saying, would they do it again? You know, if you did it and you did it incorrectly and they didn't die, would you try again? Like you said, try, try until you get it right. Uh, Could they do it again? (laughs) And then the last statement strikes me or the last sentence strikes me as uh, if they were successful at it. What if they liked it? What if they liked the power of it, the the rush of it all? Uh, 
I, I but I don't even know if this is connected to her shooting her husband. I would say so. It just seems like if you are thinking this deeply about it, like seek help. Do not pass go. Seek medical attention immediately. Yeah, yeah. Right. I think so. Yeah, that's I think where we're landing uh, as well. Like <laughs> this is just a little too much uh, thought about it. However, if she really was trying to get away with it, like she did a terrible job. You know, and we were kind of brainstorming better ways yeah. to get away with it. And I think we we had a couple. Um, maybe maybe shouldn't. Yeah, like shouldn't don't them because in, in public with like 200 students about to walk in. Like, yeah, there's a lot of ways you could have done this better. Yeah. You guys, I disagree. I don't think I don't think it was on her mind because she just kept writing about it. Like, I don't even think she was thinking like, oh, and then I'll get away with it. Like getting away with it would mean maybe not writing about it every single chance you got. Right. <laughs> Right. Like, like why are you writing prophecy? about it? She, uh, yeah, right. She even she even admits to not being good at remembering lies. In her writing, she said, <laughs> "I don't, I don't want to worry about blood and brains splattered on my walls. And really, I'm not good at remembering lies." She also said her husband has learned to sleep with one eye open. I read that too, and it's like. Again, sir, I don't mean to blame the victim, but, like, the night you realize you got to start sleeping with one eye open is the night you need to be, you know, like, packing your box of wigs and, like, learning to swim at the local Y and then faking your death and getting the hell out of there. <laughs> right. That is a sleeping or with the enemy reference. Like... <laughs> yes, it certainly is. Wonderful. point uh, a little while ago you mentioned uh, this Colorado father uh, this this fellow Chris Watts who um, murdered his wife and uh, his his pregnant wife and his two young daughters got to be one of the worst stories I've ever heard uh, while covering true crime and you know in general how do you guys feel about this one yeah it's so bizarre and like I don't know the the twist that of course caught my attention. I mean, like all of it caught my attention, but the twist was of him, like having a secret boyfriend was so bizarre. And when I was watching this like interview, like they have the, they have the actual guy on the phone, like the boyfriend guy that he like, wasn't identified. And it was Ashley Banfield who I really like. And I've, I've always, I actually, when I was a bartender, she used to be one of my regulars. So I know she's like on the up and up, but like, it's this weird, bizarre story of him I still don't even under really fully understand what happened. Like he, he murdered his family. Like why did he do it? Has there been further reporting on this? Like is he just crazy, or has he spoken and and said like made? I mean, I've looked. I just haven't been able to find anything about like what was the motive. Why did he do it? Like it just seems so bizarre. The latest thing that has uh, been out there that we found is that he's under suicide watch in jail. That was from a few days ago. Do you think that this is something that has to do with being a, a repressed homosexual? No! I mean, like, that's just not a thing, you know? Like, it's just, you know, it's, it's funny because we're covering the staircase now on our Patreon feed, and, like, that was the, the angle that they went after with Michael Peterson was that, like, he was secretly bisexual and that his wife found, you know, the porn on the computer and confronted him. And he was so freaked out by it that he had to murder her out of the shame or whatever. And like, that's just not a real thing. And so number one, we should point out, like, it's not even been verified, you know, that this, that, that this guy is leg- was legitimately, and I don't even want to say boyfriend. Like, I think it was more of like a sexual thing is what this guy was saying. 
But like, you know, no, I can't, I don't think that like being either like secretly bisexual or being like a closeted gay person leads to you murdering your whole family. That's just a crazy, crazy thought. Absolutely. And that was, you know, that's something that Tim and I can talk about because, you know, without much, without much authority, uh, it's, it's so easy, it's so easy to make that, that connection for people out there who haven't been through something like, you know, coming out and telling your family or even your wife, uh, I'm sure there's millions of people who have done that and haven't felt the need to kill their wives and children. Almost everybody. Probably right. everybody. Yeah. And then, uh, but I feel like, <laughs> I feel like it's going to be such a, such a, a nugget to grab onto to say, yeah. well, that makes sense. He had been repressed his whole life, so she found him and he lost his mind. Like, do people really lose their minds that quickly? And I don't want to get graphic, but I think in order to drive the point home, you're you're you've you're killing your children. Like, have, that, that, yeah. you're, nothing comes back into your brain to say, oh, this is this. I can probably handle this differently. Gee, I, I held them as, when they were a baby three and four years ago. Oh my God, so no. precious. And now I'm holding them as I drop them into an oil well. Is that what he did? Is that how it happened? Well, he, oh. he disposed of their bodies there anyway. And not to get too into the weeds of it, but like also this guy, the, the killer, presented like very like masculinely. You know, like in that one interview that he did, he had that sort of like dark, deep sort of gruff voice. So I think that even doubly, it makes it shocking that he may have been having a sexual affair with a man on the side. But it's really just, it's just like not relevant to the killings. I mean, unless it is like, you know, is it impossible that this man suffered, you know, so much abuse that he had to bury his, like who he truly was like deep within himself. And and did that manifest itself this way? I guess maybe that's possible. But I mean, it's just so like, it's just, yeah, like you were saying, it is definitely something that is easily grab onable to, to sort of like keep it part of the story. Mm. And it is a weird, it is a weird thing. It is like a weird development to be like, oh wait, wow, you know, yeah. was this man bisexual? Was he open about it? Was it a secret life? Did he have a double life? Like, you know, it does definitely like you know raise some questions. But and and like as much as I agree with you, the fact that he's on suicide watch is kind of like what happened like what happened to him even if what he was feeling wasn't true if he was like I can never be who I really am or whatever like whatever he was feeling it seems to me like if that's how he's acting in prison and I don't know what he did to be put on suicide watch I don't know if it's an act I don't know but if he truly is then that that to me is just like oh my it just adds another level of tragedy to it because it's like wow like if this dude really did snap and if he really thought this was the only way out like what the hell man they had news they were there was like on the news they were showing images of uh his wife's father in the courtroom and it's just so devastating Ugh. you know you always think about like not only are you losing your daughter but then you're losing your grandkids it's just awful like when yeah. these things happen, it's just so brutal. And she had uh, problems conceiving. So the fact that they had two daughters was sort of a, a, a miracle in itself. But she was also 15 oh, weeks yeah. pregnant with the first son. And this was this was right around the time where they were going to do a gender release party. and Gender reveal, Lance. What did I say? You said release. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let me take that back. <laughs> And this was right, ar- and this was right around the time where they were going to do a gender reveal party, 
uh, to to you know announce the that that they were bringing a a boy into the world. They're going to name the boy Nico. Yeah, and he wow. said he said it's that he's. I, I would say that he's very conniving and uh, and manipulative, and he didn't just snap and lose all sense of reality or anything because he lied yeah. about it. He he disposed of his wife and his two uh, beautiful right. children, and then lied about it. And then he said he saw his wife right. strangling his children on the baby monitor, and then he killed her. Like he didn't, right. he didn't think to like go run and try to stop her. He just watched it calmly, and right. then was like, "Hey, you killed our kids. I'm going to kill you now." Like, no, that that's not how. Yeah, that yeah, works. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the lying really. Yeah, no, that's not going to work. This is what I'm going to follow. I, I want to know if he ever talked, if we ever get any information out of him about what was going on here. I would venture to guess that we won't hear anything about this in any sort of mass media anytime soon. I, it's uh, it feels like well, something. How come? That, like, what makes you? What makes you think that? I well, I I feel like there's stories like this used to be big. Remember, like back in the innocent days, like five years ago or so, like stories like this used to be big and shocking. This is one of those ones that you you read about. And then, you know, two days later, something else weird and shocking and and horrible happens. And we forget about this. I hope that it comes back. I hope, yeah. I hope this keeps coming back. But I there's 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 probably a dozen stories that have happened over the past six months that we've we've all forgotten about because this sure. story came up. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But, but this one happened a month ago. So we're, we are still talking about it. Yeah, we're still talking about it. Yeah, I will. I will give a lot of props to uh, the victim's brother who released a statement with absolute fury in it. Uh, his he said, "My blood is boiling. May Satan have mercy on his soul." And then he released another statement saying, "I let my feelings and my love for my family get the best of me." And then he said, "But I will never delete that post, and I and I don't regret it. I meant every word of it." Um, it's in a weird way. And correct me, or if you disagree, in a weird way, it's refreshing to see such anger that's that's not not regretted. Yeah, that's the, yeah. the alleged murderer's right. brother, right? Because what isn't it more? Doesn't it fill you up with such like frustration when you read something who's like who will someone will reference uh, the the alleged murderer and they'll say. May God have mercy on his soul. I, f- I forgive this man. You know, it, whenever there's forgiveness, it's so frustrating to me. Like, it's okay to be mad. I- I'll never forgive that guy. I don't know how <laughs> right, his right. family would. I, what, what a it's piece of funny. shit. I used to say that on our podcast all the time. Like, please yeah. don't end these documentaries of forgiveness. I hate that. Right. Stop forgiving these people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really. Don't, like, there's, there, it is perfectly fine for this guy, her brother, to go out and publicly vent about what happened it's it's probably more therapeutic to do that than it is to go to a church and sit down and be alone with god and and be alone with your thoughts right right well uh there's one other uh now that we're all steaming yeah yeah one, one other cheery true crime story we wanted to mention uh and uh just uh talk about with you guys real quick was... i am sweating by the way <laughs> i am furious uh there there was this uh Let's they talk were, about movies again. <laughs> there was a body, a uh, some human remains found on the Massachusetts Turnpike in Auburn. This is a couple weeks ago here in Massachusetts. Uh, really, actually, the, pretty much the exit that we get off uh, the highway to to come to the the Crawl Space Studios here in Wormtown is where this body was found, and 
the the body of Johann H. Songdal III. He was recently identified. Mm-hmm. There was massive traffic in the middle of the night, uh, and no one knew why. And then you kind of, and then all of a sudden there are news reports on why. And it was this body found on the pike, unidentified. They couldn't even tell if it was a male or a female. And there was, and if you uh, typed "body on pike" into Twitter, you'll find some tweets from some of the passerbys, the motorists. One of them said, "I, I can't believe I saw a body in twenty pieces on the pike last night." And uh, so you, you kind of get a picture of what what this looked like, at least like roadkill, I suppose. Um, yeah, but there oh. were no reports of this oh, uh, of gosh. any pedestrians uh, walking on the pike. Um, no abandoned cars nearby. This no is, overpass. No out. No overpass. This is a true mystery. No one knows right now, and there's been no update. No one knows if this guy was suicidal, if he was murdered, or what the heck happened. There was one piece of information where they said that it looked like he was the victim of an accident where he got thrown from the car. So. That means that there's uh, another vehicle involved. Right. And being thrown from a vehicle means that you need to hit another vehicle or hit something else with enough force that you go flying through the windshield or maybe even through a, uh, maybe a, a convertible. You know, you could that could happen. But oh, that right, does yeah. not leave you mm-hmm. in many pieces. That that so this is this is such a disturbing story. Uh have you guys heard about this? Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, I, my first reaction to this, I'm from Boston myself. Oh, and cool. I, when I was watching like a, um, a news clip of it and it was like, the story is awful. And my heart goes out to the kid and his family. And I mean, it's, it's awful. But my, my immediate reaction was like, this is the Bostonist thing I've ever heard where the guy was like, there was a body found on the pike. Like you can tell he wanted, it was like, he wanted to tell you which Dunkin' Donuts was the closest. <laughs> it was the one off of it. It was the one off of exit 10. Yeah, exactly. It was so Boston, this guy's accent. I was like, just the way you said body and Pike, it was just, it was so Boston. I'll give you something that's even more Boston. Two tweets down after people say, it's like, I just saw a body in 20 pieces. Someone said, oh my God, there's a body on the Pike. And then underneath that said, so traffic's backed up on the Pike. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Do not inconvenience my commute with your body pieces. (laughs) Right. With your body. What's that that thing that people from Jersey say? Like, hey, you know, if they're like, oh, I'm from Jersey too. And then the Jersey person will be like, yeah, uh, what exit off the turnpike are you? So yeah. it's like, it's just funny that like these states who have really long highways like that is just like, oh, what Dunkin' Donuts exit? That's fucking hilarious. I love that so much. So what happened? But it's awful. And it's, it's, it's so crazy that there's no information too. Like, I don't know how that worked. Are there... You know, are there like closed circuit cameras yes. on the pike? Like, I mean, is there any way there is there has there been any like any update and in, in seeing like how the body got there? Well, not that we've heard, but there, you know, the Mass Pike is is a ta- is a toll road, so there are actually pictures taken about every exit, which can sometimes be very spread apart. Um, but there are pictures taken of your license plate, and they bill you or, or your little uh, fast pass or easy pass or whatever it's called. It kind of zaps uh-huh. that. So I would have to imagine that investigators are trying to track down, um, 
you know, I don't, I don't know any any drivers who might have run this body over or been the first person to hit this body. Because wouldn't that person have the answers? That is a serious needle in a haystack. Yeah. Because unless there's a camera right there, which there, which there probably there is. should be, there should be, there, but... because it's right near an exit. Yeah, it is right near an exit. You so... know, it's so crazy because I actually knew a kid, not well, but a kid that I worked that I worked with at a restaurant many years ago. It was this crazy story where we all went out to dinner one night uh, as a group and we all sort of like wandered away and he ended up dying that night. He got, he got hit on the West Side Highway and died. And it turned out that he had been hit by a truck and the truck, it had been like in the middle of the night, like one of those like Mack trucks. And the truck, the truck driver didn't even know. He didn't even know that he had hit the kid. So like it is possible, especially if it's like on the turnpike in the middle of the night, that like it was a big truck that hit this kid. They might not even know they did it. Right. Yeah, he, the the truck driver might think that he hit a deer or something, and you know if he did hear right, anything. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it could be that it could be that this uh, individual was pushed or maybe jumped from a car or you know, exited a car in some way because there was no car around there. He wasn't walking from any place. He wasn't driving. The he wasn't car. driving the car because there was nothing there. But it is conceivable that it's 10 p.m. or just before 10 p.m. and a semi switches lanes to the to the right you know goes from the middle lane to the right lane and he's kind of half on to the road you know like maybe he was getting off mm-hmm, of the road mm-hmm. and he gets hit and just gets pulverized it's yeah. it, it's it's disgusting and disturbing to imagine but do you guys think this is yeah. a, do you think this sounds like a crime to you or do you think this this could be just an accident that and we don't have all the information yet it reminded me so much of this kid that i that i knew years ago then it sounds to me more like an accident. It sounds to me more like if it was dark and this kid was hit, that there's probably somebody out there who did it and doesn't even know. Like That's kind of what it sounds like to me. Yeah, it sounds like an accident to me or one of those things where it's like, uh, you know, the, the, the most obvious solution is usually what it is kind of thing where it's just like, you know, or I think, I think maybe the the crime is, is, is people would be someone just saying like, ah, fuck it. I'm just going to keep going or, you know, something horrible. But I, I don't think there was, there was any real intent here. I think it was, it was an accident that went horribly, horribly wrong. But wouldn't that be a good way to dispose of a body? Like, you know, and I don't want to give anyone any hints or yeah, clues. Yeah, except for the fact that like you're, there's, it's like the most public place possible. There's like, there's nowhere to hide. It's like if you toss a body out a window on the highway, probably somebody's going to see you. I would think right. so, but we don't have any reports of that yet. If that's what happened, we obviously don't know. But if you yeah. have seen roadkill on on a highway, like you know what happens to that. I don't know. Just uh, uh, just a thought for Nancy Brophy. Yeah. <laughs> I would say that in the next couple of weeks, we'll uh, you know keep searching this and see if there's any updates. But I would not be surprised if a truck driver comes out and gives a uh, statement that he thought he hit something when he was on the Mass Pike, and maybe they can uh, yeah. put some put some DNA together with maybe something that's on his his uh, truck. Uh, but that still leaves the person who delivered the body there whether that person delivered that body there alive or or deceased at the time or in pieces i mean or in pieces. Th- that that's probably super unlikely like dr- dropping like a you know a bag full of body parts out your window or whatever not probably what happened but uh still like you really have no clue i mean this is what what a mystery yeah yeah this 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 were i'm so glad we get to talk to you you folks at true crime obsessed 
Patrick and Jillian, because you insert humor with all of this, and this is such a fucked up world. We we hear stories about this it's, so much. Well, thanks. We try to laugh in a respectful way, as respectfully as we possibly can. Yeah, that's the thing. Like we, as as much as we have fun, we always make sure to say that at at, at our core, we're super victim advocates, and that that's never ever what we're laughing at. And um. I think it's great. You know, it's like things you can't always like necessarily say at the dinner table. But if someone's a piece of shit, then we're going to come for them. And that's it. <laughs> well said. Well yeah, said. Very Thanks. Well said. And uh, I just want to end this with uh, hopefully a little bit of humor here. You guys seem like the right people to confess this to. And uh, I didn't I didn't tell Lance about this. But occasionally when when we feel like we we're like kind of getting some kind of scoop journalistically on Missing Maura Murray or one of our other podcasts, we refer to ourselves uh-huh. in, internally as Douchewood and Turdstein. I just thought you guys might find that funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's adorable. You guys need to get t-shirts made. Yes. That's a good idea. <laughs> Douchewood and Turdstein. Oh, my God. So How about do that it. Word book? I cannot wait to read every age of it oh my god i know i have it already sometimes we send um gifts of cowboys riding off into the sunset because douchewood and turdstein ride again and it's just something that keeps it light (laughs) over here i love that we get the scoop i love that we get the douchewood and turdstein scoop that's the best we've never told anyone that (laughs) not even maggie no 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 not even maybe maybe in text once wow yeah and it'll um, stay between us. <laughs> thank you. And uh, a little, yeah. little, little piece of Maggie information: uh, those tattoos are fake. They are temporary tattoos <gasps> that the network put on what? her. Yep. Thank, thanks for joining. See you next week. <laughs> Wait, are you being serious? Are they really fake? You'll have to. You'll have to ask her. You'll have to tune in next time. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, now I'm hooked. You guys have a live show coming up, right? We do. We actually just announced the tour. So we, we uh, have two shows in New York City that are sold out in October. Wow, And look then at you. we are kind of all over the place. We're doing, um, we're going to be in Chicago in April. We are doing a show in New Orleans uh, around the time of CrimeCon. And then we're going to be making appearances like we're at BroadwayCon, we're at CrimeCon, we're doing uh, PodX, which is a new podcasting convention uh we are we just announced a big pride show for pride 2019 we actually just booked like a big theater in new york city so we'll see how that goes we'll hope that anybody comes to it yeah we're sort of all over the place that's outstanding that's outstanding is um there a place where people can go that's the most direct route to buy tickets to your live show yeah so if you go to our website it's truecrimeobsessed.com and just click on the cs live and you can see our schedule and um uh, only some of our tickets are on sale. We have but tickets aren't on sale for everything yet, but as soon as they become on sale, we'll let you know. We sort of blast it out. Great. Well, it was really nice talking to you both, Patrick and Jillian. So thank you very much for joining us here today on Crawl Space. Thank you guys so much for having us. It was, yeah, this was we're so fun. Best with you. I'm like still <laughs> fangirling over here. <laughs> well, uh, anytime you guys want to talk to us on your show, we are absolutely uh, willing and ready. Oh, for sure. You guys, there's going to be a time where we're going to, I want to talk to you like literally like four separate times about like every <laughs> single episode.
It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.